Welcome to uh, the fifth episode of the uh, Lebanese Physicians uh, Podcast. And uh, this week, uh, I will be interviewing Dr. Francois Abifadel. Uh, uh, Francois, actually, I knew him from my uh, Indiana days at the time he was doing his waiver in uh, Logansport. And uh, I don't know how we connected. I think we connected about a patient and then we started talking to each other uh, all the time. He has since moved to his uh, since moved to Cleveland uh, Clinic, where he's currently practicing as a pulmonary and uh, critical care physician. And uh, this week, actually, which is uh, it's a good thing we're interviewing this week because this week he was elected as president of the Ohio uh, Thoracic Society. Uh, so he's uh, moving up in the world in Ohio, and uh, he has a lot of uh, positions at Cleveland Clinic. He's actually uh, medical director of uh, the subspecialties. Uh, for internal medicine, and uh, he's also the he's also responsible for the international observership uh, program at the Cleveland Clinic, which is probably something related to what we're going to talk about uh, today. Uh, Francois, how are you doing today? Hi, Khalil. How are you? Thanks for having me, um, and it's so good to see you again. Of course, good to see you too. Uh, and uh, so, can you tell us a bit about like your uh, your uh, how you ended up in Cleveland from Lebanon and uh, and how things transpired for you to end up at the Cleveland Clinic eventually. So, uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, I was born in Lebanon. I did my medical school there uh, at St. Joseph University after finishing high school uh, as well uh, in Lebanon. So uh, moving to the U.S. was uh, kind of a tough decision and a big decision. Like anybody um, uh, in, in Lebanon that makes that decision to leave everything behind and to go for uh, uh, his specialty training uh, overseas. Uh, more so when you come from a French system where you are more mostly French educated, uh, where your school uh, has minimal support to, uh, towards the uh, uh, American boards and the American system and uh, how to take the USMLEs and all of that. So it wasn't an easy road and it wasn't an easy decision either. Um, when I took my USMLE, I started with a step one. I wanted to see if I am uh, able to achieve anything there and then... Uh, uh, you know, I say I, I wasn't yet sure that I'm going to be planning to come to the U.S. And then after I finished the first step, I took the next step and then the third step. And things uh, started rolling one after the other um, to ending up uh, coming for interviews and uh, having uh, 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 um, offers for training here. And uh, when I got the offer, I was already um, in training uh, in Hotel Dieu, which is a hospital for St. Joseph. University, so I left everything behind, and I moved to New York. Uh, in New York, I did my residency, and then I did my fellowship. And uh, as you know, uh, when we come here, we have the option of an H-1 visa or a J-1 visa. And so for me, uh, I started with a J-1 visa when I started my training, and that's kind of the uh, uh, path that you have to continue um, for a long, uh, at least 10 years of your career. Right. Um, so after I finished my fellowship training, um, to be able to qualify for an H-1 visa and to be able to work, you have to do a waiver, which means you have to choose some uh, areas that are rural and underserved. Um, it was a privilege to work in, in an underserved area, um, but again, it's, uh, it lacks some support, definitely, when you come from a bigger uh, university hospitals. So I moved to Indiana. I was in north central Indiana. Uh, I was the only pulmonologist uh, serving around 200K, 200,000 people. Uh, and I guess this is where we met a couple of years ago right. uh, when I had uh, those advanced fibrosis cases where I had someone who's ARDS at uh, 
uh, was on 100% of IO2 and 15 of PEEP or 17 of PEEP and I had nothing else to offer uh, where I felt that uh, maybe ECMO or maybe uh, uh, lung transplant or uh, some other um, uh, kind of uh, uh, avenues are needed. That's uh, how I uh, was connected to the on-call critical care physician and it happens to be Khalil Diab. Yeah, he used to make us work quite a bit, I remember. <laughs> with, with a couple of uh, uh, cases uh, getting transferred your way. Uh, so yeah, so this is how we connected together. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, also we needed sometimes e-bus uh, for a couple of my patients. Right. And uh, I, I, did, I didn't have the e-bus uh, um, in my hospital, so we had to transfer those your way. And this is how our friendship started. Yeah, I remember and, it was good when you didn't have the e-bus. You used to send me a lot of patients and then, <laughs> and then you got it afterwards. <laughs> And then, and then progressively we started expanding and we got less transfers to you, yes. Um, so yeah, and since then I know Khalil, we've been good friends. We met at the ATS in Dallas as well. Right, right. Uh, and then Khalil uh, made the big decision uh, to leave Indiana. And uh, here we are, we connect again and um, uh, we, are, uh, we have uh, many platforms where we are connected together, whether it's Lebanese Pulmonary Society or the uh, uh, American Thoracic Society or uh, the International Lebanese uh, Medical Association, we have many, many common uh, uh, interests. Right, right. Yeah, you left Indiana to Ohio. I, I made a bigger, I made a bigger turn and then ended up on the, on the mid-Atlantic, uh, on the East Coast afterwards. But in DC. Uh, in DC, exactly. And uh, yeah, it looks like Francois, through your uh, work in Cleveland Clinic, so can you tell us more about this International Observership Program? Because I can see that it could be helpful for some of the uh, students and residents in, in Lebanon potentially to connect to it and be able to uh, come over and do their electives. Absolutely. So uh, um, uh, after I left Indiana within the Cleveland Clinic, I was interested more in the academic world. So I tried to join a place where I could at least uh, um, realize part of, of my uh, career objectives and, and uh, fulfill a little bit what I was, uh, I was uh, um, you know, planning to do initially. Um, in, in our uh, Cleveland Clinic, we have uh, ACG, ACGME accredited uh, internal medicine residency programs and many fellowships as well and subspecialty fellowships. And we built uh, an international observer program for medical students from overseas that are interested to come and do a clerkship or a, a, a training a kind of observership within uh, the Cleveland Clinic health system. Uh, the most active department was actually the pulmonary and critical care department that I'm, I belong to, which is part of the Respiratory Institute. And we had at least four students every month uh, that used to come and do their training. So we, we, were, we reached uh, almost 50 a year in our department between the intensive care unit and the um, um, uh, pulmonary service council. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we welcomed anybody that was interested to come. We had many uh, students coming from Lebanon. We had Le uh, students coming from Jordan. We have students coming from Egypt and from uh, many other parts from India, uh, from Pakistan, from many parts of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, to kind of introduce them to the healthcare system in the U.S. and what could be um, kind of uh, uh, useful for them. So it would be it would be an opening, I guess, if the Lebanese students apply, right? It could be an opening for them to be um, able to come over. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's something that uh, uh, for now it's on hold because of the COVID uh, right, pandemic. Right, right, right. But we're hoping in the future, as soon as this pandemic is at least under control, a little bit better, and international travel is made easier, 
that we will be able to get that uh, back and, and starting to uh, have uh, uh, students that are interested coming in for the observatory. That's good. And, and I think Cleveland Clinic is a good place for also international medical st students because I know even when from my days at LAU, uh, several, uh, several of the residents and students at LAU actually ended up at the Cleveland Clinic for internal medicine uh, this year. And I've, I've talked to some of them recently and they're all happy. I mean, uh, I think Cleveland's a nice city, but, it, but it, I know it has a, it has a uh, uh, bad rep, right? But, but it's much nicer than the rep that it has. So correct. Now things have changed if we compare in the last twenty or thirty years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, definitely the suburbs and even Cleveland. Uh, you know, things are, are heading in the right direction here. Uh, it's a, still an international city, not as as much as what DC is yeah. or bigger cities like New York or LA. Uh, but it has uh, all the restaurants, the taste uh, for anything right. that you would like, uh, museums. Uh, we have also the uh, one of the highest ranking orchestras in the world, number seven in the world. Um, and so it's an international city by, by all definitions. And uh, Cleveland Clinic is a, is a very open and welcoming institution. Uh, actually, one third of the staff, the physicians on, on staff, are actually foreign medical graduates. Yep. And uh, I would add to that that around 76 nationalities, different nationalities from the statistics that I saw in just uh, last year's report, 76 yep. different nationalities are physicians practicing within the Cleveland Clinic. Wow. So that's really an open uh, place. Uh, we welcome, you know, all comp uh, uh, students or residents that are really uh, achievers, competent, and have all the skills, uh, and they can they can really achieve their goals and their dreams by uh, by uh, thinking of coming to the by, by getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And and we were talking me and you. I think before we started this conversation, we were talking also about uh, a committee called the International Lebanese Medical Association, and uh, and it, it seems that you are one of the people who uh, have started this. Uh, Association or the part of this association in the United States, right? Uh, can you tell us yes, a bit? Sir. Yeah, can you tell us a bit about it? This association, yes, what so it does? The International Lebanese Medical Association is an association already has been uh, uh, at least for eight years, nine years since 2011, 2010, 2011, 2010, and um, the the association. The goal of it is to uh, uh, join or to uh, uh, kind of uh, connect all the uh, Lebanese medical associations overseas that uh, comes from uh, different continents and different countries. And so we had uh, uh, the Australian one, the Brazilian one, the Mexican one, the Canadian one. The, in Europe, we, they had many countries, including Italy, Spain, UK, Belgium, France, uh, 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 and, and uh, even Poland and Germany. So um, those, uh, the, the US was not representative in that group. And the goal was for us to be kind of not just individuals representing the um, um, medical providers that are of Lebanese background or Lebanese heritage into that International Lebanese Medical Association, but rather to have really a, an association on um, in the U.S. that gathers all those physicians uh, and connect through the ILMA to the rest of the Lebanese medical associations overseas. Um, so we, I, I was one of the founding members, along with uh, two of my colleagues, uh, that are actually each from different states. We have one from Florida and one from Kansas. Um, and we came up with that idea to register this as a non-for-profit organization. It's non-political, non-religious, non-denominational, non-for-profit. So it's purely just medical association that has nothing kind of, uh, of uh, sometimes the Lebanese uh, way of doing things, I would say, with all uh, 
with all respect. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and the goal is just to gather those physicians into conferences, academic work, research, and down the line, if we are able to help, whether we can help medical schools in Lebanon or we can help hospitals in Lebanon, or any help that we can provide, that would be something that we would like to do in the future. Yeah, I think that that would be a uh, that would be a good thing. I think eventually to to try to develop uh, to try to develop that, and uh, and I saw also. I mean, you're involved in a lot of things. I I because I'm I'm I was part when I was in Lebanon. I became part of the uh, Lebanese Pulmonary Society actually, and then uh, I saw uh, your name, and that's how we connected more more recently. I saw your name pop up uh, now as part of the Lebanese Pulmonary Society. So. Uh, so how would you describe like I think you you're still you're still somebody I think I feel who's very concerned and very well connected with Lebanon right so I am you know we all came from uh, from that background we all have our, our families and a lot of the people that we love and a lot of the uh, the people we know that are back in Lebanon yeah. and uh, truly when, when things change and, and and when we see worsening uh, situations whether socially medically you know even academically, uh, that's kind of uh, a, a tough thing, and, and it's it's heartbreaking. Um, so we try to connect more to help rather than uh, uh, you know um, uh, any other goals that we have. Um, I was invited to join the LPS by one of my colleagues as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. View the COVID situation currently, basically, yeah. and uh, you know the needs for some recommendations and some uh, some uh, follow up on treatments if available in, in Lebanon or not, and some of the things that we can help. Um, and I'm always open and welcoming any, any uh, uh, you know, opportunities to help others, especially specifically in Lebanon, and to be involved in the academic world and, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and, and those societies. Yeah. And I think there's a lot, I mean, you're, you're going to see there's, there's a lot of work, I think, in the Lebanese Pulmonary Society by, by uh, Dr. Zena Aoun. I think she's done a, she's done, I mean, I was, I was there when she became uh, president, and I think she... Uh, has done despite the situation in the country. She has tried and is continuing to try to do uh, a lot of work actually around uh, around COVID potentially uh, trying to trying to create a a a, a, collab- a collaboration between the different hospitals for a big database for COVID. Uh, so all of this can be uh, reviewed down the road. And 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 she has a lot of plans in terms of trying to create databases for different diseases in the country. So I think, I think there's a lot of work that can be done and potentially I can see collaborations from outside with, uh, with the LPS too on trying to, uh, to get things uh, better from that uh, standpoint. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's, I mean, it's, I, mean I, was, I was in Lebanon when the situation started uh, deteriorating uh, there and uh, and I know, like you, you guys are living outside, so probably you see it initially, or you you see only the bad things that are happening. But I think it's a, I mean, the first year I was there, I think it was a great year. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential in the country. There's a lot of people who uh, who uh, have lived outside, moved back, really want to make uh, or wanted to make big changes. And I feel. I feel bad about what's going on. I mean, I've, even though I feel like leaving leaving the country, you feel like first you get this feeling like, are you abandoning uh, ship? You know what I mean? Uh, but at the same time, you feel bad for what's going on there. And, and I think the country does not deserve this and probably deserves better, uh, I guess, like leaders, you. better leaders. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree, Khalil. And, and it's unfortunate, you know, to see yeah. that uh, all these... Uh, uh, negative things happening, whether financially, socially, uh, 
and then you know with what happened last August on the first of August with the with the Beirut port. So all right. these are not good things, and I hope things will improve for the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a lot of work that we can do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about the vaccine awareness. I'm concerned about the awareness of uh, of how serious the disease could be, the COVID. Uh, I'm concerned about the lack of medical supplies sometimes in some areas in Lebanon. Uh, these are all concerning things. And finally, you know, what's going to be the future of the medical students finishing their uh, uh, medical school in Lebanon? And what opportunities will they have in the future uh, if they're going to have all those uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, setback or all the problems that they're facing, whether we're talking financially with the banks, issues and, uh, and other things, to be able to, uh, to travel and fulfill their uh, dream for further training, whether we're talking at the residency level or fellowship or subspecialty. Right. And we, I think we talked about that, me and you, before we started this, uh, this conversation. And, and you were saying that there is, there is some difficulty, right, for them to uh, be able to sit for the UMSL, USMLEs. And you've seen some difficulty uh, with them even buying a plane ticket to, uh, to come over, even if they get accepted for an elective, let's say the Cleveland Clinic, there's difficulty buying a plane ticket to come over and do the elective. Correct, correct. Uh, and that's unfortunate with that the new kind of, I've never heard of this before, that fresh money type of uh, issue that's happening with the banks in Lebanon. It's making it really difficult for those students. And I think the needs are going to grow in the future. And, you know, us as, as uh, physicians in the, in the diaspora, we probably will have a, a bigger role to play and we'll see how it's going to fall. Right, right, right. And especially now, I think with uh, a lot of the universities are starting to raise their uh, tuition. I mean, if you think about it, probably these universities are not raising their tuition. They're just adjusting uh, partially their tuition to the to the market rate. Uh, but, th but that can put a strain on, on, on I guess, uh, students whose parents actually work in the country. I mean, probably for students whose parents work outside, they can send this uh, quote unquote fresh fresh dollars, but but for the students who live in the country, I, I think this is going to be a hard uh, hard thing to do. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. And, and uh, you know, that's going to add more more obstacles to those students that are actually really hard. A lot of them are very hardworking and very ambitious and, you know, have a lot of good uh, potential for the future. And we, you know, I, I don't, I hope, I hope that's uh, not going to be an obstacle for them. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I met with some students there before I left who, I mean, some of them are having trouble with this. Some of them are actually, instead of focusing on their studies, they're, they're focused on, uh, on their parents and, and can their parents pay their tuition and they feel bad for their, uh, for their parents. So, right. yep, yep. So I hear some kids in the background. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so many. I want to give me a break so I can, I can. Uh, Increase a little bit the volume. No, it's fine. No worries. No worries. <laughs> so, how many kids do you have? Remind me. I have uh, three kids. Three kids. Three okay. Yeah, kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five, six, and eight. So that's, okay. uh, that makes it a little bit uh, some noise in the house. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, and uh, I think we'll I think we'll end it with just some. What what advice would you give? I guess. Uh, uh, the students and the residents who are uh, in Lebanon right now, like what advice do you have for them? So um, I would think the first uh, advice would be to continue focusing on their academic work, on their uh, school and, and trying to, uh, to achieve what they started, uh, which is graduating as a, as a medical doctor and uh, planning for their future and not to let the uh, financial situation and the uh, social situation take over 
specifically not to bring down their dreams of what they could potentially achieve in the future. Um, and the second advice is that uh, I, I definitely recommend, and that's something that I always had in mind, I do recommend for anybody that is interested in, in getting um, a flavor of what the healthcare system looks like outside of Lebanon, whether we're talking in Europe or in the US or in Canada or Australia or any other country, uh, not to hesitate to go and try uh, at least for a couple of weeks or months or so to see what, how it looks like, because I might like it as I might not like it, uh, but it could be a different way of seeing things in life. Um, and, and a lot of time we, we think that we, it's something that we don't want to uh, kind of uh, open the door for, but it turns out to be a different world that, uh, you know, really uh, fulfills all, a lot of our dreams and, and, and is potentially what we wanted since the beginning. Right. right. So keep, keep dreaming and uh, do not let the uh, financial and social issues uh, pull you away from focusing on what's important, which is your career. Right. I mean, I agree. I think uh, I think for us doing the I mean, the pre-corona days for us doing the electives in the in the U.S. was very helpful. And also, I mean, I remember we used to do these exchanges once I went to to Spain. And it was I mean, it was, it, it's it's a very laid back way of practicing right. medicine versus like the U.S., let's say. And it's good to see the differences, I think, between both. So, Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. so Francois, thank you. Thank you for giving giving us the time today. And I think this was a good uh, conversation. And uh, thank you very much for, for being here. And uh, yeah, thank you everyone for, uh, for listening. And I think in the, the next episodes, I'm going to try actually to interview uh, people in Lebanon. And I'm going to try to uh, interview actually more uh, 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 lady, lady physicians and not male physicians because I was looking at my uh, lineup right now. I've already interviewed three, three men. Now it's time to interview uh, <laughs> the other gender. Exactly. Absolutely. So, all right. Thank, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Khalil. And it's a great pleasure to see you again. Um, you're an achiever and uh, we see uh, we're behind you uh, on those steps. And I think you're, you're leading the way. So keep up the good work. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Francois. You are too. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Khalil.